Welcome to the Compass Podcast, featuring Chris Shandro and the Compass team. We hope this message is just for you. Hello, welcome. I'm Chris Shandro, the pastor of Compass. As always, I'm really glad that you're with me. Because at Compass, we are celebrating Christmas by taking part in the church tradition of Advent. Now, I don't know about you, but I grew up in an evangelical church culture, which was pretty anti-tradition. So I didn't know anything about Advent, in spite of the fact that it's been celebrated by the church since around 400 AD. But there's a value I've discovered in holding on to some of the things that link us all the way back to the first followers of Jesus. So here we are. Advent, which basically means arrival, it has four main themes connected to the birth of Jesus. Hope, peace, love, and joy. Last week, we talked about hope, the hope that the people who were looking forward to Jesus's birth had, and the hope that we have as we live in the tension between Jesus's first arrival and his someday return. But what exactly are we hoping for? What were the ancient Jewish people who were awaiting a Messiah hoping for? We're going to explore that as we look at today's Advent theme, peace. Now, when I say the word peace, there are a couple of common meanings that come to mind. And the first definition of peace would be the absence of conflict. We have a couple large-scale wars that are happening in our world right now. And peace, in our eyes, would look like a ceasefire and an end to hostilities and then some sort of treaty. But conflict isn't just between nations. We have interpersonal wars, too. There's disagreements between people that create tension and conflict that can either simmer quietly or break out into huge fights. Peace is an agreement to stop fighting and just coexist. So peace is an absence of conflict. Second common definition of peace would be serenity. Now, this one's a little more broad because it can be different for every person. Because, I mean, for some people, it's watching a beautiful sunrise with a perfect cup of coffee. While for others, it's that twilight hour after you put the kids to bed and before you fall asleep. Or when your husband or wife takes your kids somewhere and you don't have to deal with screaming, spills, bathroom emergencies, or dealing with anyone's urgent needs but your own. Because everything's quiet. But whatever the cause is, it's when we feel serene, at peace. Those are our common definitions. But is, is, is that what peace meant to Jesus? The night before his death, Jesus told his disciples that he was going to give them peace that was different than the world gives. So did he mean that he was going to give them the feeling of serenity or an absence of conflict? If you follow the disciples after Jesus' death and resurrection, their lives didn't look anything like that. I mean, they had a lot of conflict from the people who were trying to violently stomp out Christianity, and they used imprisonment, torture, even death. And I can't imagine that in their world of persecution, they would describe things as serene. Perhaps the biblical and the ancient Jewish view of peace was different than ours. So let's figure peace out, and let's start with this familiar Christmas verse about Jesus in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Jesus was called the Prince of Peace. But what does that mean? And what did it mean to first century Jews who were maybe born in Bethlehem? Hebrew would have been a native language to Jesus. And the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. 
And that word meant much more than serenity or the absence of conflict. And we can see that just by surveying the Hebrew Bible. Genesis 43, 27, it says, He asked them how they were, and then he said, How is your aged father you told me about? Is he still living? Okay, this is out of context, but this is Joseph speaking to his brothers, and and he asks about their well-being. And when he does that, in the language of in the Hebrew language, he's literally asking them about their shalom. How is your shalom? How is the shalom of your father? Peace can refer to a person's welfare or well-being. Shalom can also mean safety. Look at Genesis 28:21. If I return safely to my father's home, then the Lord will certainly be my God. Again, this is out of context, but in the original Hebrew language, they're saying, if I return in shalom to my father's home, if I return in safety. Peace can also mean that I'm protected from harm and unafraid. Look at Job 5.24. You will know that your home is safe when you survey your possessions. Nothing will be missing. Here, shalom carries the idea of completeness. Everything is secure. Job is told that his home will be in a state of shalom because everything is in place and nothing's missing. Shalom is more than just the feeling of serenity or the absence of conflict. Rather, when we look at all these passages, at the heart is this idea that life is full of complex situations and relationships. And shalom is when everything is in alignment. But when anything is missing or out of order, our lives break down and become incomplete. And with that, so does our peace. And when that happens, it needs to be restored, which brings us to another meaning of peace, peace in action. Check this out in Exodus 22.5. If anyone grazes their livestock in a field or vineyard and lets them stray, and they graze in someone else's field, the offender must make restitution from the best of their own field or vineyard. So if your animal grazes in someone else's field, damaging it or consuming their property, you must make restitution. You must make shalom with them. You must make them whole and complete, restoring what was lost and damaged, because peace is restoration. Now, put all of these ideas of what peace is together from the ancient Jewish world. I mean, we have the absence of conflict. We have the feeling of serenity, our well-being and welfare, our safety and security. And when everything is complete and restored, we look at all that, we get a bigger picture of what it means, because peace is wholeness. It's when all the parts of our lives are aligned and complete, and it's being restored to wholeness when things are broken down and missing. More than a feeling, peace is a state of being whole. When we grasp how vast and important peace really is, it allows us to see Jesus and what he came to do in a much better light. Isaiah called Jesus the Prince of Peace, the Prince of making things whole. Look at what the prophet Micah said in Micah 5, 2 through 5. He says, But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, you are only a small village among all the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel, whose origins are in the distant past, will come from you on my behalf. Check this out. And he will be the source of peace. Jesus is the prince of wholeness and the source of wholeness. The angels who sang on the night of Jesus' birth sang this in Luke 2. Glory to God in the highest heavens and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. The Jewish people were looking for their advent, 
the arrival of their Messiah. They were looking to a king who would bring them peace. And I want to quickly share with you three ways that the peace of Jesus, who they were looking for, brings wholeness to our lives. The first is found in Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. First, Jesus brings us peace with God. Remember, peace is not just the absence of conflict. Jesus didn't draw up a peace treaty between us and God because we were in some fight and we just needed to learn to coexist. Rather, peace with God is when our relationship with him is made whole, when it's brought into alignment. God's not mad at you. He's not just looking to put an end to hostility so that we can coexist at a distance. No, his interest is in restoring a relationship that's been pulled apart by sin. This shalom is God reaching into our world to rebuild the bridge between us and him that's been broken, to restore our friendship with him. Second, Jesus brings us peace with each other. Ephesians 2.11 says, For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. People have always had significant differences with each other. And, and we see these divisions today in the wars that are happening in our world. Wars that started like all wars do, with a conflict between people that escalated into death and destruction. And it's into this world that Jesus came to bring peace. Again, not just a ceasefire or an absence of conflict, but a restoration of relationship with each other. To bring all of humankind together and make us whole with each other. If peace with God is him rebuilding a bridge between him and us, peace with each other is him bringing us together with each other to build a temple. Each of us is a brick connected to another. It's God bringing shalom to our individual damaged and broken relationships. Think of the family members you passionately disagree with at holiday get-togethers. The ones that you want to strangle because they are so wrong about everything. Or the people who hurt you, left you, who hate you. Jesus brings shalom into those relationships. Healing and restoration. Even when it seems impossible. And then the third way Jesus brings peace is found in Colossians 1 verse 19. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Finally, Jesus brings peace to all creation. The mission of Jesus was not just to make it so that we could go to some distant spiritual heaven someday when we die. It was to bring heaven and earth together, to bring the kingdom of God and the world of humankind that were separated by sin back together again. He didn't come into our world to just bounce us from one kingdom to, an, kingdom to another, but instead to bring two kingdoms together and into wholeness. Shalom with everything in heaven and earth. To not only bring peace to our relationships with God and others, but to literally restore all of creation a universe out of alignment full of death, decay, and destruction that is yearning for the return of Jesus to bring shalom to everything as he brings heaven and earth together. 
No more division between the realm of God and the realm of people. Just a restored creation of perfect peace. And this is what it means when we call Jesus the Prince of Peace. Not just the Prince of Serenity, the Prince of Universal Wholeness and Restoration. Who cares about our well-being, our safety and security, our relationships, and the safekeeping of his creation. That is peace on earth. The restoring, reconciling, and rebuilding shalom of God. So may we be people who experience the shalom of God and advance it in our world. And may there be peace on earth and goodwill towards men. As I close, let me just share a prayer from 2 Thessalonians 3.16. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with all of you. As we celebrate the first arrival of Jesus and we look ahead to when he returns to bring shalom to this world, may we be people of peace who will experience the peace of God and share it with our world. I'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us at Compass. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions about Compass or this message, contact us at our website, www.compassbn.com. Oh, 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 o